What is my purpose? Are there any sins God won't forgive? What does the Bible teach about politics? Do all religions believe in the same God? What happens when I die? We all have questions, and we're going to start answering the questions you've been asking about. The Bible, culture, church, or just life in general. You asked for it. I'm so excited to see you guys. We, uh, we're, we're in a, uh, a series called You Asked For It. And uh, really this whole semester, uh, you know, Jesus, Jesus says that one of the greatest commandments, is, one, of the, one of the great commandments is to uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And throughout most of uh, the fall here, well, really through all the fall from August all the way through Thanksgiving, um, we're going to practice on how to love the Lord your God with all of your mind. And uh, so we're in like a very, we're in like an inquisitive sort of series, just a question-asking series, a doubting type of series. Um, a, and, and then in, the, in September, we're going to kick off a series on doctrine. And, and really, what, what does a community of believers, what's a healthy group of doctrine uh, for a local church, and, and how should we uh, believe rightly about God? And so we're really going to practice on, on some stuff. And so today is no different. Today, is gonna, today we're going to do some work. Um, are, are we ready for some work today? I mean, like, we're going to dive in. And, and do some stuff, and all of our students were like, yeah, I, I, no, I hate that. All right, cool. We're getting you ready for school. We're getting ready, ready for school. Today, we're, today the question was, when you filled out the survey back in April, um, you, you asked the question, are there any sins uh, that God won't forgive? And that's a, that's a pretty heavy question. That's like, uh, that's not a cute Sunday morning sort of idea. But, but for some of us, that's, that's reality. You kind of live with this uh, kind of overarching cloud of, uh, oh, man, I don't know if, if I can rest in the grace of God. Um, and, and so really we want to con- you know, kind of do the whole concept of sin today and, and break that down. So if you have to ask, if anyone asks today, you can say, your pastor wrote the sermon on sin. Like, that's how serious it is. Like, he's so good at it, so good at sinning, he wrote the sermon on it. So that would be, be good for you to, to go ahead and do that, um, and, and we'll, be, we'll be in good shape. On that. So if you, gra- if you have your Bibles, we'll grab your Bible on a seat there in front of you. You're going to go to two passages today. Um, two passages today. One's in Hebrews uh, chapter 6, um, and that's page number 1011. It's all the way at the back. You want to keep your finger there. We're going to hit that one first. And then you want to go to Colossians chapter 3, uh, verse 1 through 17. We're going to go to that one second. Um, that one's just a few more pages to the left. Um, that's on page 988. 988. And so the, the concept of this whole idea is you have to have a proper working definition of sin before you can even answer the question, are there any sins that God won't forgive? Are there any sins that God won't forgive? You have to have the proper definition of it. Um, and so there's really three major things I want to hit with you today. Number one is, what is the definition of sin so that we know what we're wrestling with? Two, are there any of those sins that God won't forgive? And then three, even in the midst of that, if I still struggle with the same sin, how do I move out of that? So we want to move through, through those three major questions in a, in a pretty uh, cool way. We're going to spend most of our time, we're going to spend most of our time on number three, and we're going to hit number one and two pretty uh, quick. Are we good? Cool. We're going to dive in. We're going to go some Bible geek today. Are you guys pumped about that? Because I am. I don't know if you are, because I'm pumped about being a Bible geek today, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. What is sin? 
Sin in the scriptures, a good working definition of sin is the culpable breaking of shalom. Lost the whole room, right? Because everyone's like, well, all right, we're going to have to work itself out. Here's the, here's the major thing that I find about in church world when it comes to uh, thinking rightly about sin and just the theological component of sin. Remember, we're talking through God creates the world, he creates it good, but sin breaks everything. Shalom is the Hebrew word that describes God's intention for the world. What you see today is not what God intended for the world, okay? Shalom is what God intended for the world. It means wholeness, like an integrity. Everything fits together well. His, his original plan for the world was, 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 is considered shalom. It's wholeness and beauty, rhythm. And sin broke all of that. When, when the first humans believed that they could be God without God, when they believed that they were the creator, not the creation, that's sin breaking everything. But here's the problem. Here's the problem that we get mixed up all the time. I see this happening quite often, is that we often say, well, sin, we, we use the word sins, and we use the word sin, and everything kind of gets mumbled, jumbled, and everything. When sin broke everything, it took our heart and bent it towards ourselves. And so now we are the Lord over our own hearts. No longer is God our creator. And so this breaks our entire heart. And so we go to the next slide. This is kind of the, the, the major thing. Our, our identity does no, is no longer dictated by God. What we're known for, what our ideas are, who we are as a person is not dictated by the creator any longer when sin reigns and rules over our heart. And so our identity is now a sinful identity that's different than the activity that you do. A sinful heart will produce sinful activity. That's so important for you to know when thinking rightly about the activity that you do. Because a lot of times what we tend to do is this, we focus on the activity. We say, well, if I don't, you know, it, back in the day, it was, uh, it was don't, don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with girls that do, right? Like totally like the, the Bible summarized in one sentence, right? Like that's how, you, that's how we rolled. That was, that's how we understood uh, the morality of Jesus at some points, right? Uh, you know, if, depending on where you're at and, and, and growing up, maybe, you, you know, maybe for some churches, it was don't go to rated R movies, um, don't, don't even walk near the bar, you know, all those sorts of things. And what we're doing is we're focusing on the activity of sin itself. That does not make you a Christian. That does not make you a Christian. And honestly, what you're doing is you're putting yourself, like, underneath all sorts of weight and shame. If you've ever lived that life, that's what the Bible calls law. We're just living according to these laws that we prescribe onto ourselves, and all that is is, is, is damning in a, in, a, in a major sense. All that does is it, it puts a weight and a shame on us that doesn't allow us to experience the grace and joy of God. Are we tracking on that this morning? And so the identity of a sinful person will produce the activity of a sinful person. And that's the problem. That breaks everything. But what Jesus comes to do is not just save your activity. Oh, good God, that's not what he does. He doesn't 
just come so that you can be a good church person and that you can have a good morality and you can wear uh, you know, button downs to church on a Sunday. He comes and he comes right after the heart. He wants all of you, every aspect of you. And so sin is this breaking of his intention for the world. And that takes our heart and moves it, just shoves it, drives it towards ourselves. And what we need is a savior to pull us out of our own brokenness. If you've ever been caught in the snare of brokenness, and in the snare of sin, in patterns and activities that you can't break by yourself, you don't really, maybe you haven't understood that yet or you haven't gotten there yet, but if you talk to someone who's been freed of that by the grace of God, you'll see someone who has the joy of Christ all over their face. Does anyone agree, me on, agree with me on that? Like you can tell the difference between someone who's trying to manage their activity and someone who's living from an identity that's been saved by Jesus. And so from the heart, is what Jesus is chasing after. He wants you. He doesn't just want your good activity. And man, sometimes we say, oh, if we don't speak certain ways, if we don't think certain things, or if I use the word blessed in a certain right manner or tone, then I'm a Christian. And what Jesus says is, I want your heart. And then from there, you'll do Christian things. So sin is this breaking of shalom. We sin. We have the sinful activity when we participate in the brokenness of the world. But his plan for you is not a sinful identity. His plan for you is an identity, one that's a son and a daughter of Jesus. That's what his design and plan for you was. It was never designed for it to be broken. It was never designed for you to be separated from him. So much so that he sends Jesus down to heal that. So he can do it. He's chasing after you. He's pursuing you. And all of those moments where you feel like, oh, there's something more going on. There's something more happening. And you have stories like that where he's doing, he's pursuing you and chasing after you and saying, come, come be a part of the plan that I had initially. And so, and so this is, the, this is the, the plan that God has for the world, is the, sin, is the saving people from a sinful identity so that they don't produce sinful activity. But the question still is, are there any sins that God just doesn't forgive? Are there any sins that God just doesn't forgive? Because, because if I want to be careful, I, I just got to be careful of all of that, right? If the creator of the universe isn't going to like me, I should probably know about it. Amen? And really, this, this idea comes from one major verse. It comes from one major verse. And that's in Matthew chapter 12, if you throw that on the screen. This is what Jesus is talking to, uh, the, the, Jesus is talking to the, uh, some religious leaders and they're, and they're trying to trap him on some different things, but this is what he says. He, he, they doubt him for something, and this is what he ends up saying. He says, so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. Horrifying, right? Horrifying. 
Like, if Jesus says that, we're like, what is it? Like, what is this? A few years ago, probably maybe 10 years ago now, there was this whole project that, that a group of atheists put on. It was called the Blasphemy Project. Do you guys, anyone hear about this? Remember this? Where people would record themselves saying, I blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. I do not believe in the works of the Holy Spirit. And they would say that as like some sort of dig against, as like all it was was like a collective and international uh, declaring that they don't understand the Bible. That's all that was, which is, it's okay. They don't, they don't follow them anyway, so I'm not going to be worried about that. But what this statement does is it puts this idea in our head, oh man, if there's one, I got to make sure I don't do it, right? And it makes us live from a spirit of poverty, It makes us live with this idea that we have to be careful not to mess up or else God won't like us or God won't forgive us or God won't be angry. And we really live in this tension with our relationship with God that, man, one day we're going to show up and knock on his door and he's going to shut it on us. Has has anyone ever, if you're like me, man, I've lived with that before. And so I got to be really, really careful not to make God angry at me because he might not like me. And, and honestly, who wants to be in a relationship with anybody like that? Like if a friend came up to you and said, man, every time, I'm not sure, just every single day I wake up and I'm not sure if they like me or not. Like I'm married to a person, I'm just not sure if they like me. Or I'm, I'm dating and I just, you know, I just get this back and forth thing. I'm just not sure they like me. You're like, why would you, like, why won't you fix that? You should go fix that. There's got to be something. But, but, but if, yet we live with the same idea with God all the time and we don't, we don't, like, we don't try to figure it out. And so I want to give you some rest this morning because I struggled with that big time. When I was growing up, I was like a, a big Scary God in the sky is going to somehow make it right and smite me in some major way, and I got to make sure I do all these right things. And all I was doing was heaping on baggage upon baggage upon baggage onto my back. And I was literally trying to be my own savior by making sure I performed rightly before God. It's not the gospel, that's not the good news. The good news isn't make sure you straighten up, and, or else God's going to ship you out. And so I stumbled across this verse in Hebrews chapter 6 where the writer is trying to tell this community of people how to be mature Christians, how to be mature. Do you want to be mature believers? And so you want to go to Hebrews 6, Hebrews chapter 5, right at the beginning, verse 11. It's on the right-hand side of the Bible if you're using a, a seat Bible there. And he's trying to make them grow to become more like Jesus. And I love this. The maturity that you can feel in this verse is just astounding. And this is what I pray for you, that you would find rest in this this morning. Verse 11 says, There is much more we, could, we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. That's encouraging. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Again, who says the Bible isn't fun to read, right? You're like... This dude's like their pastor or is like, hey, you know what? You guys are a little slow. It's all right. It's okay. You don't seem to listen very much, but we're going to keep on going and try to make it work. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. 
Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic thing about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have, to, have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we do not need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. Verse 4. For it is possible to, for it is impossible, listen, listen to this, it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring them such people back to repentance by rejecting the Son of God. They themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. Now, here's how you read this passage if you don't trust in the grace of God. You are horrified. Well, because I fall away and I come back all the time, don't you? I mean, my relationship with God, just like yours, is just faulty at times. I'm just like flailing sometimes. I feel like I'm just going back and forth. I can't keep my mind straight. I can't pay attention when I pray. I can't seem to find the time to pray. I don't think about any of that. It's all of this stuff that I keep going back and forth. And you're reading this verse and you think, I'm going back and forth so much, I'm probably not even in. But here's how someone who trusts in grace reads this verse. They look at that and they say, you know what? Failing is normal. And if dad loves me, he's getting down on his knees and he's begging me to come back to him. And so I'm not falling in and out of my salvation. What I'm doing is I'm resting in the grace of God when I do fail. Because I fail. And you fail. And you struggle. And so what we have is Matthew 12 saying there's one sin that's unforgivable. It's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. We have Hebrews chapter 6 giving us one side of things that are saying you can't keep going in and out. And so you take the two and you put it together to, make you, to, to kind of help you understand Matthew chapter 12 to say there's really one time that God begins to give over somebody to the works of their heart, the works of their flesh, when they are so far denying the things of God. Romans 1 talks about it. I threw it up on the screen for you. And, and it's an example of this type of thing. It says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they begin to thank up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. Heartbreaking. It's this moment that I believe happens after the life of someone that is saying, I just am denying the work of God in the world. 
It gets to the point where we eventually, upon, uh, and, and this is really when you read the, through the, most of the New Testament, you understand that there's, there's a moment that you're interacting with God, and he's working through what the basis of your life was. And he's saying, hey, look, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. The story of God wasn't your story. And so you, you have this thing where sin, whether or not we can be forgiven of a certain sin or whether or not we're just always in and out, we're not sure, it creates insecure Christians. It creates insecurity. And so what you have to do is you have to go into the worship center, you have to come into the worship center, and you have to make sure your heart and soul is right before God because just in case I die on the way out of here, I want to make sure I go to heaven, right? And that's not a relationship with Jesus. That's not a relationship with Jesus. A relationship, just like your relationships, they go up and they go down, they move left, they go right. But what we know is that our God is there with us all the time. And so what we can do, the Bible says that we're adopted sons and daughters of God. Adoption in the first century, you could not get rid of them. You could disown your own kid, which we're like, praise God, right, every once in a while. But I just, different sermon, different sermon. You could, you could disown and release your own child. That's what the prodigal son was. You could not, you could not disown an adopted son and daughter. What that should do is say, you know what, I am a sinful person. I got, it, it just reeks out of my pores. And God is working to sanctify and change you to become more like him. And that should give you the biggest, deepest breath this morning to say, thank God you know exactly who I am. You know all the things that I hide from people. You know all the things that I don't enjoy about myself. You know all the things that I just wrestle with internally. And yet he pursues you and says, you're mine. You're mine. And that when you fail and you stumble and you change and you move and you're doubting and you're not sure and you'd rather not and you, you know, whatever. He's sitting there saying, hey, I, I know. I was there. I've lived on earth. I've done these things. I've understood your situation. And I want to be with you. And so Matthew chapter 12 says, oh, okay, there's something. And I would say there's one time, one time that God doesn't forgive a sin, and that's after when you meet God. Because there's one type of sin in the Bible, the one that Jesus died for, and the one that Jesus forgives. One type of sin in the Bible, and it's the one that Jesus forgives. And you're like, okay, cool, party, right? Party it up. We got to do that. That's it. I can do whatever I want. Well, Paul, is, he's tracking along with that. Romans chapter 6 says this. Um, I sh- should be up there. Or not. That's fine. 
No worries. Romans chapter 6, that's my fault. Um, Romans chapter 6 says, okay, so what do we do then? Do we just sin so that grace can abound? We can just show the power of God based off our sin. So I can do whatever I want and allow Jesus to forgive me because I'm living that good grace. He says, no, 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 no. Let's not go crazy here. Because those of us who have died to the things of the flesh, to the sin that we have, that has ruled our hearts, when we have died to that because we've said yes to the resurrected Jesus, when we've said, I'm living the way of Jesus, we've died to our sin, he said it's impossible to, to be identified by that any longer. And so we're identified by the grace and the power of God. And so what that says is this, okay, okay, so I got this, really, really trusting, sure relationship with Jesus. And I don't have to be, be, be mindful. I don't have to, to worry about the fact that I'm falling in and out of salvation so that one day if I get hit by a bus on the way out of here, if I didn't just say my prayers real fast at church, I can go to heaven. That's not what he's saying. If you haven't said yes to the resurrected Jesus, that's a, that, 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 that could potentially be the conversation for you. But, but that's not... For the believer. And so you have this wrestle, okay, but, but I struggle with a sin or I struggle with a sinful activity. One, two, ten, maybe if we're just all out here, like 25 and 30 different activities that we're like, I'd rather not do these. And what he's doing is he's working in you. Has anyone ever seen sea glass before? When, when glass goes into the ocean, it spends years just kind of getting polished and, and shaped and changed. But it doesn't ever get kicked out of the ocean, does it? No, the waves and the, the storms, it polishes them and rounds them out to the point where you get something beautiful that washes up onto the shore and you collect it. And it's a beautiful image of a church, isn't it? A bunch, a collection of sea glass that has been weathered and changed and shaped, secure in their relationship with God, changed by him. To say, okay, now what? What do we do? Colossians 3 is really going to... uh, explain this to us if you go to page 988 there. Thank God for page numbers in the Bible. Can I get an amen? (laughs) How many still sing the song? You're like, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I still do it. Just, just, Colossians chapter 3, say, okay, sin is the culpable breaking of shalom. I'm participating in all the ways that the world is broken. Jesus saves me from that. I become an adopted son and daughter of God. I have a trusting and sure relationship with him. I want to be more like him. I want to be changed and do those things. And this is what Paul says to you today. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. 
For you have died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these things, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who, who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. If there's one verse in the whole list that says, all right, I'm going to take the next year of my life to figure out, right? And let the peace that comes from Christ, or above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives, teaching, counsel each other with the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Okay, real fast on this passage here. Verse 17 is the, is the, is the verse he wants for you. It's this integrated life, this fully integrated life where you, no matter what you think or do, is for the glory of God. That's his desire. That's his ideal. That's what he wants to shape you into. But when we, when we struggle, he understands that. We're struggling with the same sins over and over and over again from time to time. And so just real fast, three things that are going to help you uh, do that from this text. Verse 1 through 4 it says that you should consider your mind. What are you thinking about? You have someone that comes up to me, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm an anxious, anxious mess. Okay, well, what are you thinking about? Well, I watch, you know, I watch uh, 24-hour news all the time. <laughs> all right, session's over, <laughs> okay? <laughs> right? What are you thinking about? What? what when I, just in the spring, I, I, I preached a series called Running in Circles. It talks about how you can literally change the way your brain is wired through, uh, through relate, certain relationships that you have. Your brain is, over time, just, just stuck in ruts, and it creates pathways, and it does all these sorts of things. And what the Bible says is you can be changed in the renewing of your mind. I got a friend that says all the time... I, I got to take every thought captive. That's what I have to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I got to take every thought captive. I have no choice. If I, if I continue to, to, to not do that, I'm going to end up in a place that's not good. And, and we can be changed and renewed, our mind, and renewed within our minds 
both personally and communally. Sometimes we do this personally, and we just try to like shut the world off, right? And we say, well, I don't want anyone in me to know that, to know anything about this. And so what we do is we pour into the Bible, and it's good, and it's right. But that's not the only part of renewing your mind that we have. Renewing your mind also comes communally. That's why we say everyone should be in a community group to be changed by Christ both personally and communally. You talk to someone who's ever been through recovery, they're going to say, I need to be with people. I can't do this by myself. And it's the best thing in the world. It's just saying, I need people. And yet what we do is we approach, the, 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 we approach our, our, our relationship with God like, oh, I got this. Okay, you're just trying to change the very nature of your DNA by yourself? Cool, sweet. Let me know how that works. So no, let the renewing of your mind change the way that you think. Take every thought captive. It's this grace-driven effort that we have to become more like Christ. And so he says, okay, let your mind about, think about the things of heaven, not about the things of earth. Be changed by Christ. Don't just be stuck in the same patterns and the same things. You know, you know when you go, if you've ever moved, you go to the stop sign, right, that you, you typically were to take a right at when you went home and supposed to take a left. Has there ever anyone driven to the old house that they lived in on accident, right? That says something about our nature as humans, doesn't it? You're like, you're just driving. You're like, I don't, I like legitimately don't live here. <laughs> don't live here. And yet I drove here. And we do that as people who struggle with sin. We go to places that aren't our homes for things and feelings and desires and security that we don't, that we cannot get from there. Are we tracking this morning? That's not your home any longer. Christ is your home. And so he says, okay, if if you have been changed by Christ, you've been raised by him, put to death the sinful things within you. Put to death the sinful things within you. And so you want to consider your mind Consider what is coming from, what are you thinking through, where are you spending your time, and then put it to death. Death is a violent thing, is it not? It doesn't say like, I'll just toy around with it, maybe you'll get over it. That's not what it says here. You always love those stories when like, uh, you know, circus people were like, oh, the circus guy got his, got his arm chopped off by the lion, right? You ever hear that story? Or the guy's putting his head in the alligator, and the alligator shuts his mouth, and you're like, duh. Like, like, what do you expect? The alligator, or the lion, is an apex predator. Their, their d- design in life is to eat other things. And we're like, let's stick our heads in it. And we toy, our, we toy around with the things that we struggle with. We're like, oh, it's okay, I'm not going to. I just kind of leave it there. He says, no, no, no. Kill it. Sprint to the left. Don't stare to the right and consider how fun it might be or how joyful it might be. Don't look to the right. Look to the left. Kill the things that you struggle with. 
And there's a couple of things. There's things that we all struggle with. There's things that we all struggle with, and there are entanglements that individually we struggle with. I might struggle with certain things that you don't. Hebrews chapter 12 says that we should strip off all things that entangle. Put it to death. So it says, okay, if you've been changed by Christ, your mind is renewed. Your mind is changed. Consider what you're going through. Consider what you're thinking through. Consider where your brain is. Put to death the things that you struggle, like sprint from it. Put barriers, put structure, put something around the things that you struggle with. Don't let yourselves be in that situation any longer. And then pursue the life that Jesus has designed for you. And he talks about kindness and gentleness, humility. So that eventually all things, both thoughts and deeds, can roll up into praise of the creator. And so we move back and forth between who we once were, our sinful identity, and our new sonship and found in Christ. We move back and forth and we're saying, God, I just, I just want to release these things to you. And you need to know this morning that you've been adopted, that you're not just falling in and out of a relationship with God. That you can rest in the knowledge of the Savior saying, you're mine. I gave my life for you. To the point where Paul can say this in Romans chapter 8. Throw that on the screen. It says, for I am sure. I just love that. I'm sure. It's closing. It's final. I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I pray today that you leave here knowing that we're all messes and that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. But, 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 I, I just don't feel that. And I'd say the invitation for you today is to rest in the knowledge that Jesus loves you as you are and loves you even more to not let you stay that way. And he's walking with you through it. He doesn't abandon you. He's not moving away from you. He's not running from you. Every bump, every fall, every step, every trip, he's there. Arm in arm. When you run, he's following you. Like really like creepy, like really right there, right? <laughs> like you're like, oh man, he's still there. Like he's there. And I pray, like me, you feel this release of the shame and the guilt of sin that we think we need to solve ourselves, but that God has released you from. And that we can find life in Christ as adopted sons and daughters. Can I get an amen? Jesus, we rest in that this morning.
And God, this, this might not be everyone's story. God, the shame and the guilt that comes with sin is real. It's hard. And it's, it, it's, it's fearful to release to you. It's hard to trust you that, you, that, that you know us, that you, that you love us as we are. All broken and messy. And God, I, I pray that you remind us today that our faith is found in you. Not ourselves to become better people. Hey, feel, feeling really led to do this if you just keep your eyes closed um, right now. Um, this is not something we do all the time. But for some of you, this might not be your story. Sin is your story. This, you just, it's a mess. And your life might be messy right now. And you don't have an answer to that. And you're not here by accident. Jesus got you here because he's pulling you towards him. This could be the thousandth time you've heard this. And it could be boring to you, maybe. But he's trying to get to you. He wants your heart. And so this might not be your story, but today it can be your story. If you say, yeah, I believe it. And I'm responding to that. And so if you're here today, if that's not your story, but you want it to be your story, can you just, can you just raise your hand real fast for me? Say, you know what, this isn't my story, but I want it to be my story. There's shame and there's guilt and there's brokenness, and, and I, I need a Savior to pull me out of it. I got you. I got you. Oh, man. Jesus, I pray that we understand the depth of our adoption in you the grace and the love that you have for us, that you're not angry with us, that you're pursuing us, and you're drawing us to you. God, I pray that you help us respond today. In your name, amen. Hey, if you raised your hand right there, that's awesome. I just want you to keep praying and, and, and interacting with us. There's, um, the Bible really says that baptism is your next step. For the handful of you that just raised your hand, the baptism is your next step. We're doing that in a few weeks. We'd love for you to do that. But the other thing it says that is that we respond together in communion. And we're going to take communion together as a body today. As people collectively saying, we're messed up, but we have a God who's perfect. And we find joy in our weakness and strength in our hope that we're not our own saviors, but Jesus is. And we want to announce that today as we take communion.